0: We have begun another trigger proof transmission. This one came without warning. I was talking to my cycle breakers community, and it just became clear to me exactly what miracles are possible uh, when you focus all of your effort on breaking trauma bonds. I was just, my heart just exploded when I was seeing. Uh, And listening to the stories last night in our um, Path to Being a Cycle Breaker workshop. It was a three-hour workshop. Uh, DM me if you want the link to this workshop. It was three hours long. Um, And so many shares from what happens to our lives when we break trauma bonds, when we stop trying to talk. Talk, 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 talk therapy, tell our story, vent, 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 each and every single day, vent, 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 tell my story, tell my little story, who's going to listen to me, listen, listen, vent, 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 poor me, poor me, poor me, which is important to find a place where we can share and then feel seen and heard. But the research has shown when you've broken up with somebody or you're in stuck, stuck in a cycle, Uh, emotional abuse, the narcissistic codependence cycle, by venting our stories constantly, especially puking it to an audience that mm, sometimes isn't really wanting to hear it. It's it's toxic. Um, People who've been victims of abuse, and we've all had that experience somehow, whether it's small T trauma or big T trauma, we've all had this experience of being victims of, uh, of some sort of abuse, you know, control, manipulation. Uh, if, if you were raised with parents that don't have, haven't done their trauma healing work, there's a good chance that you're going to have kind of residual type of, um, impact uh, of, of being gaslit, of being not seen uh of having the experience where we didn't feel seen and heard and this rage that this child feels we have to come up with a solution this feeling of rejection of our authentic selves we have to come up with a solution so codependency is one solution narcissism is the other so these are solutions to trauma right and we we don't know the the background. We don't get the story. We just are stuck on a narrative when it happens, and we're right. The other person's wrong. Um, we're the victim. They're the perpetrator. Or we blame ourselves. You know, we cheat on our partners. We we become abusive. We become controlling. We become manipulative. We become object focused, goal driven, very psychopathic type of behavior. And that's because we haven't really learned how to have healthy relationships. We don't even know what a healthy relationship is. And so here we have this context where we've unconsciously coupled with people as a way of getting complete with all of these unhealthy attachments from childhood. They stay in our body. They run the show in the background. We pretend like we have control. The truth is we don't have any control. We are at the effect of these these hidden uh, urges, these impulses, these impulses and instincts that we have to merge with people who can help us reenact these childhood dynamics. And boom, welcome to a trauma bond. And so I realized as a chiropractor, uh, why the hell am I talking about this as a chiropractor? I'm not qualified. I have done, I've not. I'm done a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist, and I don't prescribe drugs. I don't um, diagnose people with stuff. In fact, anytime you hear me using a diagnosis, it's not because of a diagnosis per se. I believe all kind of uh, mental illness really is a solution to trauma, is a I use the word really um, for a reason. I use the word intentionally. It's a solution. It's an adaptation to trauma. And if we don't understand it, we then kind of fall into the spell of it. And then we kind of start splitting people in good, bad. We label people. And so whenever you hear me using labels like narcissism, narcissi- uh, narcissism, borderline, um Uh, codependency. It's not really about diagnosing and labeling people. It's really mainly about just using kind of language, using vernacular that everybody can kind of understand to join that conversation and then lead the conversation into healing. Why is that important? Because the traditional methods of psychotherapy and counseling, given their methodologies, everybody's always going to be sick. There's no... Solution. There's no resolution. There's no resolving. There's no very little progress. And it's just coping skills that are given into that realm. But when we take the vernacular and the conversation and the diagnoses and then we bring them into a context of healing, a constant context of trauma a context of the lens through the nervous system well now we have a completely different possibility and this was when i discovered this i realized every patient coming in to see me was really dealing with a trauma bond um chronic illness well, why cuz chronic illness how many patients did i see that had chronic fatigue uh lupus um uh chronic pain uh fibromyalgia they would come in with these diagnosed symptoms from the western map of things from the western world from medical system which has a lot of labels and diagnoses to fulfill a criteria on insurance but that's so that the doctors can get paid it's not really about your healing Right, it's nice to classify it so that you go, oh, you have this, and then you walk around with a, a label. It feels good to go. Okay, these are a pattern. It's not my fault. And oh, but the problem with these labels is what I notice, and this is what made me want to leave chiropractic. Patients would come in walking around with these labels as a badge, as an identity. I have osteoarthritis. I'm like that's not why you have back pain. Yeah, but my doctor says. I have osteoarthritis and, uh, uh, you, 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 there's nothing we can do about it. And I'm like, okay, lay down on the table. Boom. I do an adjustment on I get up, move around. They're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. Run around the office. Oh my gosh, I can run. I feel so much better. Guess what? You still have osteoarthritis. How the fuck did you just improve then? You know, I didn't change your osteoarthritis. You still, if I took an x-ray before I just did that and afterwards, it's the same thing. So what happened? Have to get you out of the current paradigm, the, the matrix, kind of brainwashed into a matrix that there's problems and problem focused, problem focused on a diagnosis and an illness. In fact, we come up with a drug. They'll come up, the medical system comes up with a drug first Ritlin, for example, they came up with the drug and then they had to create a disorder in order to sell it. This is true. I'm not lying. This isn't conspiracy theory bullshit. This is actually true. This is how the system is run. If that makes you upset and very angry and feeling betrayed, I see you. I've been screaming this from the rooftops from the last 20 years, which is what led me wanting to leave chiropractic and just tell more people because I was in my office in Maple Ridge and many of you are my um, former patients there. I I, I love that many of you guys kind of followed me there and and followed me here Uh, and I still get DMs. Can I come see you? you I'm like, ah, I just let go of my license. So I do miss that. That's been part of my journey. But the reason why I'm here talking right now is because I was unknowingly living and having my career unconsciously living out trauma bonds. Every single relationship that I had would fall into the exact same pattern. This kind of initial honeymoon phase of love bombing, mutual shared fantasy. Then there is an attachment and then this kind of fantasy that we have and then the reality hits that reality isn't that fantasy. And then I go from oh my God, this is so perfect to, oh my God, this is terrible. But then I can't get out. And then we would go into this not knowing, should I stay or go? And it wasn't until my last relationship that really blew up. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Because we both were very abusive to one another. Emotional abuse was happening. And abuse is not really about like physical violence, although that's part of it, of course, or sexual kind of... um, when you know sexual misconduct and stuff like that although that's a part of it abuse is really about control so there's many forms of abuse um there's financial abuse that can happen there it's it's when somebody uses money i'm gonna one of one of my clients i'm gonna take you out of my will her father is a total kind of malignant narcissist a very wealthy man uses money to abuse. I'm going to take you out of the will. You're not going to get this and you're not going to get that. So using finances or I'm cutting you off. You know what I mean? It's like using finances to control, using sex. If you, you know, it's a form of abuse to really just punish somebody by not giving them sex. That's a, It's a form of it. It's a form of control. Not all conflict is abuse, but when we use things as... Tools to control—we're abusing each other. And when I look at it, there's no such. There's hardly any relationships. Most relationships that are unconscious, especially if you're in the form of a trauma bond, has some form of abuse happening. So you're not alone if you're having this. It's just such a shameful conversation. People don't like talking about it. There's a whole kind of part of the internet dedicated to shaming and. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, nobody wants to talk about it. Look at this cancel culture. Look at the Me Too thing. Look at, you know, like, you know, uh, women, 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 uh, women power. And so, men have now become scared. We don't speak up. There's violence happening. There's abuse happening, and everybody's scared because of all of the shaming going on. It 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 it, it seems like we've lost the ability to have a rational. Uh, conversation. It's very difficult to be rational when we have this much trauma we're holding on to. So that's really why uh, this cycle keeps keeps going. That's why the cycle doesn't stop, because of shame. The cycle is promoted by shame. The cycle is promoted by guilt, and people don't like talking about their shame People don't, like, people don't like feeling shame. People don't know how to feel it. So we create these ego defense strategies so that we don't feel shame. Narcissism is a solution to that. Codependency is a solution to that. They're both solutions to shame and that's why the trauma bond happens because it's hardwired with shame, this push-pull dynamic where you get close and then get away from me and come close. It's approach avoidance. You know, it's very, very, very scary. Relationships are scary, especially if we're walking around with unresolved attachment trauma hanging out in our bodies. Literally, everything we've experienced as a child with our parents is now informing us, informs us of what we feel we deserve. The way that we deserve to be treated, it's all being informed by the trauma that we hold on to um, the undeservingness, the having to fight for love, having to work hard or perform so that we can feel worthy of love. Um, Being treated like absolute shit, but not knowing how to leave because you know, that's just what you're used to and unconsciously repeating these patterns so that we can then find resolution. That's what a trauma bond is. And it in real life, in real time, on a day-to-day basis, what it looks like, what it feels like, is a relationship that you just can't get, get out of. It looks like um, coming back to somebody persistently who hurts you. It's Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome being um, the... Stockholm syndrome being the very experience where you fall in love with your captor. You know, it's the Stockholm Sweden was, there was a bank robbery and they noticed that some of the captives became kind of like they fell in love with, with the the criminals. Right. And so it's all because of safety. It's all because of safety. and, it feels, sa- it feels unsafe. It feels like it's terrible. How could we do this? And it's a cycle. We go in and out. There's the love bombing, and then there's the devaluing, <laughs> discarding, and then love bombing again, and then devaluing, and then discarding, and then love bombing again, devaluing, and discarding. And if you find that um, exhausting, you're not alone. This is one of the reasons why I saw health problems coming in with my patients. Like they're all okay, yeah. You have digestive digestive system is shit. You're getting migraines all the time. This is what it looks like. Digestive system is shit, migraines all the time. Um uh, what else? Anxiety, high levels of anxiety. Um, feelings like feelings of hopelessness, like you can't get out. Like I don't I don't see a way out. Like it's like, oh my God, I'm in prison. Here's the experience. I don't see a way out of this. I remember thinking that when I was in it. I didn't know I was in a trauma bond. But once I understood that I was in it, that was the first phase in me breaking that cycle. And a cycle breaker is somebody who acknowledges that they're in a trauma bond, that it's not their fault, that there's really no shame in it. Even though we feel a tremendous amount of shame when you get into the conversation with the community that we're already having in our cycle breakers collective you realize you're not alone that there's nothing for you us to be ashamed of that it's okay to talk about it and talk about what you're ashamed of like i i was abusive in my last relationship in fact i mean it got it got like progressively as I went in from one after my divorce, one relationship after another, it kind of felt like my problems were kind of exponentially amplifying my behavioral patterns, my entitlement, my sense of narcissism. It just kind of like, and then I met a perfect match for me who was equally as narcissistic, but then on the flip side. So she kind of worked out the borderline type of perspective and the borderline and the narcissist roles are like a twisted dance. It's just like a moth to a flame. And uh, let me know if you know what the hell I'm talking about. Is this resonating with you at all? Is what I'm saying, can you see yourself in it? I'm curious, right? So I discovered that When I was in a trauma bond, I was like, I got to get out of it. And so this is a few years back. And I remember going, how the fuck can I leave? Because I remember getting to a place where, because as me, as the narcissist, her with the borderline, I detected some psychopathic traits because of her other profession. You know, psychopathy is about, you know, exploiting other people, uh, not really caring about, you know, like like laws and stuff like that i those were red flags that i just kind of like i just swept them under the rug she's running an illegal semi-legal i don't know shady type of business whenever we cross the u.s border she would tell me that she was afraid that she would be you know uh handcuffed every time she would have anxiety when we crossed the bar i'm like really like you so I just kind of swept that under the rug and in the back of my mind, I knew that she had a paralyzing fear of abandonment, which we all do. But like fear of abandonment in which once this is one of the key components to kind of psychopathic behavior, once the pain of abandonment is there, there's a revenge, there's an exploitation, there's an abuse, there's an entitlement that comes back. And this is where you know you see, um, for example, Cristiano Ronaldo is being sued for like I don't know, fifty-four million dollars because of damages from this uh, kind of sex. What he she was she was being, I guess, raped uh, in in Vegas or whatever. And you could see the whole story, and you see it, and the exploitation is so clear. And it was like when when that happens, boom, that's the possibility. And so I was scared to leave. I knew that there was something like I was, even though the relationship sucked, I knew that there was a consequence of leaving because of the of the fear of abandonment. And so I was kind of scared. So I stayed two years longer than I should have. Uh, if if I loved myself, if I was fully resourced, if I had done the work, First of all, if I had done the work that I I've done since then, I would have been able to see her, notice the, the 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 trauma bond, and be like, yeah, that normally I, I would be all over that, but I've kind of outgrown that. That's how you know you're healing from a trauma bond, where you notice yourself being attracted to that certain type, but then when it comes up, you're like, mm, the safety of my heart is more important than getting that person's approval (laughs) so it was a journey man and i thought listen whatever it takes whatever distance i have to travel whatever price i have to pay i'm a really smart person i've done a lot of personal growth work why don't i have this figured out whatever it takes i'll do it and i discovered there were like five pillars that i was missing uh, to certain degrees so that i can heal it so last night i did a training the Path to Being a Cycle Breaker it was a three-hour workshop. Let me know. I can send you the the link if you haven't seen it. I would love to show you. Um, it, the replay will be up for like 48 hours. And there was 270 people registered. And last night, there a, 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 a big majority of them uh, showed up. You know, it was like my biggest zoom training and i was kind of nervous about it because talking about this stuff kind of makes me nervous i look around and there's not a lot of people who are talking about it the trauma bond from a first person's perspective as though they've come through it from but not from a place of victimhood like yes i was both the victim and the perpetrator so I can own that I had. I was definitely the perpetrator, and I'm definitely the victim as well. I've owned my part of the dance, and I can also see where where I was the hero. That's the uh, the drama triangle, the Cartman's tri- drama triangle. In order to heal trauma bonds, and we 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 cover this in our trainings. Is there's the victim there's the perpetrator or persecutor and then there's the hero savior and the way that we heal and break free from these trauma bonds, which i'm going to go into in various trainings every single day um uh i'm 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 gonna keep uh i'm gonna keep answering the questions as you guys ask them i'm gonna you know just spontaneously come up and 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 share them with you because i'm really committed to making sure that my community learns how to do this um because if you don't, then nothing else can ever really land. And last night when, the, when, when my cycle breakers were sharing their stories, I really got how unresolved trauma bonds spill into every area of your life, your self-esteem, uh, anxiety levels, the safety that you feel in your body, the way your digestion works, the way that you uh, are communicating with other people. Your, your levels of empathy with other people, your levels of understanding of yourself and other people, the way that you're able to look in the mirror and say, I love you or I hate you, it all is your relationship with these trauma bonds. It always comes up. And so unknowingly, I didn't realize I was doing this, but I was coming up with a solution to heal my own trauma bonds. And the overview method itself has now developed in a cognitive and a somatic tool for healing trauma bonds. And I'm delighted that I'm creating a facilitators program. I've just, we're a month and a half into it. And I'm teaching cycle breakers how to help other people so that once you kind of have 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 rescued yourself out, you've, get, you've gone from I'm drowning to oh, I'm on dry land. Wow, that was quite a journey. Boom, I'm ready to help other people up and be kind of guides for others. So I'm teaching that we came up with this incredible idea to make it more affordable for people who've been stopped because of financial challenges. Um, you know, going to therapy is expensive. People will say, and you, you haven't really, um, gotten to a place where you feel safe committing to this level of work especially on the internet, like, can you trust these people and all that stuff? So last night, my uh, facilitators in my cycle breakers community completely just sharing their story, inspiring the heck out of everyone. I had tears in my eyes and um, I really got from the share, it's a painful cost to break a trauma bond. It's very painful. In fact, that's why I didn't do it before because I was avoiding pain. So I'm gonna give you three Um, tips. Everybody says, give me a tip. Give me a tip. Can you give me a trick or a tip? And I'm like, I hate that because there's nobody that did it based on just listening to a trick on YouTube. Nobody broke a trauma bond by listening to a, a tip or a trick on YouTube or Facebook or a podcast. It was done by actually committing to the work. So let me share with you a few that I wanted to to bring to your attention so that I don't know, does this work? Oh, here it is. Perfect. Does that work? Okay, good. It's working now. I got my little thing. So that you can now start to move in towards a direction of healing. All right, are you ready? So here's the first one. Let's see, does it work? Boom. The first one is how to change and transform that trauma bond. Let me write it this way. One, here it is. Write down your story, your story as if it was, I'm just writing those of you who are on, um, Clubhouse listening. I'm also doing a Facebook live and I have my notes here. So that's why you're seeing a pause. So uh, here it is. Write down your story as if it were about someone else. So that's number one. Please write that one down. As if it were about someone else. Why? Well, that's number one. Okay, I'm just going to move this way so you can actually see me here there it is so the first one you're going to do is to write down your story as if it were about somebody else now why why would you want to do that you've been listening to the trigger-proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world which is nervous system regulation becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean when you take out a friend for coffee and they tell you their story, it's really easy for us to just go, "Oh man, you got to leave that person. <laughs> that person's no good for you. Queen, you deserve somebody better, right?" We have no problem. We have no problem sharing that. Um, but when it comes to us because we're embodied in that story, we're not run by our rational mind. We're run by our unconscious mind. In fact, your child mind has taken over. Within the confines of a trauma bond, after you've kind of, you know, you, you, you meet somebody and you basically, you're this twin flame and what you're doing is you're not attracted to them, you're attracted to yourself. <laughs> you, fall, you don't fall in love with them. So soon, oh, it was love at first sight and it was so intense and it's like we've known each other all our lives. No, actually, what they do is you guys have a very similar shared kind of wound and the narcissist will tell the, the borderline uh, codependent is I see you and I'm going to love you the way your mother never did and um, the way your mother couldn't because she didn't have the capability because she didn't love herself. I see you. And in return, I expect you to do the same. And I'm going to abuse you. I'm going to make your life hell to test you to see if you'll still love me. This is kind of because now you're you're supposed to be the mother that I didn't have. So it's kind of like a dual mothering. If you've ever been like, fuck, I feel like this person's mother. I'm so tired of being with this. I feel like their mother. You are in a trauma bond. You might be in a trauma bond. Actually, I'm going to do... a Facebook Live, I'm going to do on a podcast. I'm going to be signs you might, you know, Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck. Well, here's a sign that you might be in a trauma bound. Uh, that's the first, basically, is that's what happens. And so now when the hooks are in, the hooks are in, that's when the devaluation happens and the discard happens and the abrupt shift from love bombing dual mothering oh my gosh to devaluing it feels like a um like a withdrawal symptom of cocaine and so you spend the rest of the relationship chasing after that high and abandoning yourself in the process just like you did back when you were a child because every time the love bombing phase comes back it's like intermittent reinforcement little breadcrumbs like the scientist that gives the the sugar to the rat and the rat's like just intermittent reinforcement is it going to be now is it now is it oh my god you gave it to me ah just when you're about to quit boom it comes back and then the cycle continues when you're in it you don't have rational thought you're you're 8 years old that's why you can help your friend over coffee but you suck with your own stuff <laughs> that's that's why it's important. That's why you, you can't live with the delusion that you can do this by yourself. That's a fucking complete lie. There's no way that I got here in in my healthy relationship, secure relationship, alone. There is no way. And I sure as hell didn't do this from a book. I actually committed to the work. And the first part that I did, which, I, which we talk about in our cycle breakers portal, and this is what we hold you accountable to do. You actually do it. Like I'll tell you, you can go do it, but then you have nobody to talk to. You don't have anybody to share with. You don't have any guidance and coaching on what to do. It's helpful, but it's, it, this is a big part of it. Now, number one, you got to write down your story as if it were about somebody else. This helps you separate from it and helps you change your relationship with the truth. Trauma bonds, in trauma bonded situations, we don't like the truth, especially when we're at the at the hands of our trauma bonds. We are terrified of the truth. We hate the truth. We say, I want the truth. No, you don't want the truth. That's why people get really triggered by my content. They say, oh my God, you trigger me all the time, and oh, this is a bunch of whatever BS, eh. Uh, nobody says this is well actually yeah there's people who do say this is a bunch of bs uh often they get triggered and they don't have rational thought they're in a trauma bond they they can't see another perspective other than their own um so to entertain the notion that they themselves are part of it that's bullshit nope if you don't if you don't This is a very good sign of narcissism when somebody says, "If you," I'm not saying the person is NPD. I'm saying we're behaving like narcissists when we say, if you don't agree with me, if you don't see it my way, then you're part of the enemy. That's called splitting. An inability to entertain that you have, there's another side to this. If you don't have that ability, it's not your fault. It's just, that's part of the trauma where these cluster B personality types and these um, you know mental illnesses they come from not your fault but who's 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 the response whose responsibility is it so that's the first step that you do and when you do this you start to shift we encourage people I mean you can't heal unless you change your relationship with the truth and reality it's just it's come you're completely dissociated from reality so because you don't know what's real, you know. You've been, you've been at the effect of other people. You've been slave, likely a slave to other people's opinions, other people's beliefs, religious um, kind of ex- expectations, cultural decencies, uh, the the community that you're in. If you're Persian, if you're Chinese, if you're in a you know a little community of mennonites for example this is kind of like a system there's like a ideology communism there's an ideology it's like an invisible fence you know it's like something that's it shapes the boundaries of who you are your boundaries are permeable and you don't even or porous and you don't even know who you are it's just it's a good reason for that you know so that's why to break the trauma bond it's almost like leaving a cult That's what it is. It's like leaving a cult. And it's very, very scary. People kill themselves over this. That's why it's very important for us to, as a community, have the conversation, even though it might be scary and shameful. So I'm here for you for that reason. So number one is to write down your story and change as if it were somebody else so that you can learn how to change it. And and then change your relationship with the truth. So what's number two? Number two... is to acknowledge the repetition compulsion. I'm just writing this down. Repetition compulsion. You got to acknowledge the repetition compulsion. That's number two. What the hell is a repetition compulsion? It's our compulsive drive, instinct, impulse. It's our compulsive impulse. It's like... (tick) to repeat those unconscious childhood dynamics. So you got to acknowledge it. You know, I look at one of our clients, Leslie, who was in a trauma-bonded relationship with a narcissistic, Guy, and he was completely lying to her the whole time. She just kept taking it back and going, I just want you to tell the truth. I just want you to tell the truth. I just want it to be real. And he would always deny, deny, deny. He would go through all the stages the love bombing, um, the discarding. And then she would find her power and say, Screw this, like every year. And then he would come back love bombing in the summer. And then literally, she would go through that cycle every year. Finally, after the sixth year of going through that cycle, she reaches out to me and says, I feel like I'm in another world and another dimension. I don't know what's real. I'm codependent. I want out of this. I'm like, okay, let's do this. So <clears throat> it really dawned on her at a physiological level. She's like, oh my God, he is both my mother and my father who died. She went through a grief losing her partner who she absolutely loved. And in that grief, she stuffed her grief away and looked after everybody else and meets this guy who totally love bombs the shit out of her when she's at her low. He was the knight in shining armor rescuing her from her grief. She was his rescuer because he had all these addictions and she could distract herself from her own pain by making this guy her raison d'etre. So it was a saving one another. It both, you know, she becomes the victim, then runs away from her. That's how to, how to you know, a perpetrate. That's where the perpetration can also mean stonewalling. That's very hard hard for somebody with an um, abandonment wound for you to just all of a sudden cut them off and stonewall them. That's a form of saying, fuck you. That's a form of perpetration. Right, and so then he would perp- she, she would perpetrate him by leaving, and then he would, you know, uh, come back, and this whole cycle. And so the only way that you know, as we worked on it, she kept realizing this is not about him. This isn't about him. This isn't about him. This isn't about him. This is about my mom and dad. And she then kept acknowledging that repetition compulsion, and we could deal with it directly, without acknowledging it. You really think it's about that other person. So you're stuck in it. The second that you acknowledge that it's a repetition compulsion, you're like, oh, okay. (sighs) It's not me, it's not my fault. I'm not bad, I'm not fucked up, I'm not broken. It's just unconscious wounds. And so when you get this right, you're able to self-regulate. You're able to take all these emotional flashbacks and deal with them directly. And then you can choose yourself again and again. It's kind of like leaving a cult. It's not going to be an overnight quick fix, right? And so if you don't do that, it could cost dearly. (laughs) That's why I really, uh, that's why it's really important for me. There it is, acknowledging the repetition compulsion. So number three, what do you do? Hold on here. Let me just get that one There it is. Okay. And now the third one is turn blame into understanding. turn blame into understanding when we go through trauma and the extreme pain of a breakup it's an attachment wounds are just flaring we then turn to blaming ourselves how could i have done it i'm so bad the shame take toxic shame takes over we beat ourselves up and then we feel like shit about it so then we turn around and we blame the other person and we kind of like a teeter-totter, seesaw, going from blaming ourselves to blaming the other, to blaming ourselves, to blaming the other. And the only reason why we, why I would do that and I was blaming was because I didn't understand myself. I didn't understand the mechanisms of the trauma bond. I didn't understand polyvagal theory and attachment theory and why we, why we do the things that we do. I was taking this on as a student to figure it out. I wasn't doing this as part of any formal training. This is my own training because I had to fucking figure this out. 43 years old, very successful, but I couldn't figure out relationships. No chance of a family. I was going to live my entire life a bachelor. I mean, that was fun in my mid thirties, but fuck, like, why can't I just grow the fuck up and do what, why can't I do what my twin brother can do? Turns out he didn't have separation trauma at the age of two. When I got that, I was like, Oh my God, I thought I was the black sheep. I was the fucked up one. And he was the golden child, twins. But turns out he didn't experience the same trauma that I did. And so my blame of myself turned to understanding towards myself. And that's a very critical component of us healing our traumas. We must turn blame into understanding first for ourselves. And once we're able to do that, the person who perpetrated us, I still have somebody like I can't get rid of her. (laughs) Like it literally doesn't stop the smear campaign, the financial abuse, the entitlement, the exploitation. I'm living it. Right. And I definitely want to go into victimhood over it. But of course, I was part of the dance. I was a perpetrator. I'm a victim. I was the rescuer. I was rescuing her from her health problems. She thought that I was going to be the one to fix her with all her mental issues. She had deep trauma growing up with her mother. She used to say, are you going to throw a toaster at me, Nima? And I'm like, what, you know, what do you mean? She goes, if you come to me and you tell me something like bad news, every day she thought I was going to come home and tell her it's over. So I was, every time I would open my mouth, she'd be like, are you going to throw a toaster at me? I'm like, well, what's this toaster analogy? Well, when she was younger, she would walk in the in the kitchen and her mother threw a toaster in her face. She literally had to duck. And so that became our joke. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to throw a toaster. But that's how she lived, this hypervigilance. And it was all from trauma. So this was a deep fear of abandonment. She perceived me leaving as, as telling her anything like that, as throwing a toaster. When she met me, she was like, he's the guy. He's a smart guy. He's going to help me heal this. And when I met her, I was like, she's going to help me get my message out there. She was my first testimonial. She was, we were able to, through the work, resolve her, her gluten sensitivity. She had this huge identity that she set up as a um, gluten-free, like celiac, She had a cafe and everything. Turns out it was an identity that she took on when she met me. This is what borderlines do. When she met me, she took on an entire new identity and used my weakness, because I had a sex addiction at the time, used my weakness to her advantage. And I was completely vulnerable to that. Now, I'm not playing victim. That was on me. I was fully on me to do. I'm not ashamed of myself anymore. I've done a lot of healing work about those parts of me and I I see them with a lot of compassion. I just want to break the cycle for other people. I just want to have it so that other people don't have to have the police involved, don't have to have financial abuse, don't have to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars in court cases, court dues and all of that shit and make lawyers rich who are also a bunch of narcissistic psychopaths. (laughs) So I just want to help, um, break the trauma bonds and it's not easy because there's a painful cost in doing so. And you're, most of you are listening. I got to tell you, you're not going to do it. The odds are stacked against you. It's like a, it's like an addiction. The odds are stacked against you. The only people who actually do it, the only way that you're actually going to do it, if, if, um, if I can look at the people who have, look at the example in my community of the people who actually have, um, the cost of being in one must exceed the emotional and the resource, emotional resources and all of that. It's got to be more expensive for you to be living with it. than to the cost of you, the pain involved in you getting out. Because it's painful. It's kind of like Shawshank Redemption. It's kind of like prison. If you've ever seen the Shawshank Redemption, um, Andy Dufresne, how long did it take for him to escape? He was planning it over time. And that's how breaking a trauma bond is. Over time, chipping away at it. Over time, over time, chipping away. And then the very end is like, crawling through the shit in in the tube, in the sewage, into a river of like fucking disgusting sewage. And then you see that vision in in the movie where he's sitting there after crawling himself out of that disgusting sewage in the rain and then getting up and then rain falling on him. He's full of shit and he's like, oh, I'm free. That's what it took. That's what it took for me. I'm actually still coming through it. It's not over. I don't expect it to be because what's happened is she's turned into one of those kind of like narc abuse survivor victim type of things. And um, really deeply holding the story. I don't think she'll ever be free of it. And this is the thing I wanted to say to those people who talk about their narc or talk about their abuser. You kind of edify them. You create a monument. You start to, Worship them as a godlike being, rather than what they really are. The narcissist isn't a fucking godlike being that you need to put up on a stage, on a, on a pedestal as some mythological creature. He's a fucking child. I was a child. I was a child, and children in the sandbox sometimes get really nasty and abusive to one another. My sixteen-month-old today in music class, Diana was telling me. He's, he, Dominic, talk about narcissist. He's 16 years old. Narcissist, bipolar, all the symptoms are there. (laughs) Every, like any toddler, but he was in music class and Diana said, okay, we have to go now. And he turned to her and he just screamed, and then slapped her across the face. It was kind of like innocent, but you know, that's what children do, you know? when these monsters that we edify, I was a child. I was a scared little boy that was provoked, that knew that she knew exactly how to provoke. Boom, -boom, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. And that was our dance. And there was a part of her, there's a thing that I learned afterward called projective identification. This is where the borderline wants to see the person as their abuser, as their attacker. Right. And so kind of sets the stage of being that Right. And it's kind of like after we broke up months later, she, and I never, uh, you know, never actually, what does it look like? I never actually um, contacted her, but she actually applied for a restraining order. And, you know, she was asked to be given the evidence that, you know, she needs one because I've been stalking or co- coercively controlling her or everything. I hadn't reached out to her once. And they were like, sorry, she hasn't reached out. You can't get one and that's like projective identification it's like the proje- it's, it's called projective identification it's putting that person in a box to being that thing that enemy you know you, we want to see them that way and so we do that in trauma bonds we do that not to discredit your story your story matters your story is valid but when you're able to take it outside of your body and put it out there as though you're reading it about somebody else you're you're able to be more objective and you're not as solipsistic which is i just see things from one side it's split there's good and then there's evil there's the righteous and then there's the wicked that's bullshit you got to grow up from that if you want to break up break free from trauma bonds this whole splitting of evil good uh monster blameless victim narcissist empath i'm i'm a Empath, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Christian, I'm a Baha'i, spiritual bypass, look carefully, I see through it. (laughs) And so we really need to have a different relationship with the truth. It's not easy. And so the invitation is for people who are really keen to make that a priority to find a guide in a community and to dissolve the shame and speak up and be part of the conversation. The biggest obstacle is the false self that wants to hide. Oh, am I going to have to be around others? Can I just do it one-on-one? Oh my gosh, I can't afford. I came up with a solution. There's a lot of obstacles. So I came up with a solution of doing a 90-day container. I'll leave the link down there. Where you get to experience what it's like to actually be in a high quality container, in a conversation where everybody's committed to healing, not to invalidate your story, but to really listen with objectivity, with loving awareness, with compassion, and understand both sides of the journey. Why? So that you can become, you can feel safer in relationships, so that you can develop a sense of self trust. Um, how do I trust again? Well, if you trust yourself, you don't really have to worry about other people. So by focusing on building that, which was lost because of all the abuse and the trauma, I'm sorry that you went through that. It sucks. And you're not alone. (laughs) In fact, when you look at the world and how we react to trauma and how we're at the effect of our shadows, it's hard to not get abused in some form. I get abused almost every day in my inbox. There are people who are hurt. There are people who have been abused, who listen to my content and feel like I'm personally attacking them. They can't really see the objectivity of what I'm trying to say. And it hurts me every time because I, one of my biggest traumas is not feeling seen. So when they start abusing me in, in, in my inbox, it really hurts. And it calls on me to sometimes go, maybe I shouldn't do a Facebook Live. Maybe I shouldn't speak up. Maybe I shouldn't say this because what if it offends somebody and then they DM me and they're abusive to me and then I turn back into the work and I return back to myself and my meaning and purpose and why I'm doing this is to break the cycle because I was able to and I did it because I could get into a container and have a conversation and not throw blame into it. Not just use it for venting but actually for solution. And so I want to create that Container, and that's what the Cycle Breakers portal is. And we begin in March. I'm going to leave the link down there. And I did a talk yesterday. And if you want to see it, you still want to learn, it's a three hour workshop. Let me know, I'll send it to you. <coughs> but essentially, it's to help you identify if you're the right type of person for this. We do a roadmap where we kind of find out what your biggest obstacles are, where you'd love to be in a few months. We also have a part where you can do your Beck depression score because we do that before and then after in the 90 days so that you can track incremental progress. Are you going to be fully healed after 90 days? Hell no but have you, are you gonna learn some amazing skills that you can take with you for the rest of your life for years to come, so that even if I meet you five years down the road, you can come up to me on the street and say, hey Nima, I did that course like five years ago with you, and I'm still using the shit that you taught me, thank you. That's what I wanted to create, and that's what the Cycle Breakers Portal is. And it starts in March, but uh, I put an offer up for all of those people who were there at the workshop that if they wanted to jump in now, that we have some pre kind of training this month. They can be part of that for free and the overview experience would be thrown in as well if you jump in soon enough. So that would be fun if you uh, felt inspired and you were really committed to the process rather than thinking that just, you know, listening to me on a podcast or YouTube is going to be enough. I wish that uh, it was that easy for me. Um, It's a lot of pain. In fact, if when you watch the... um, Replay of that, you'll see Jenny's share where she, you know, really as a facilitator, she shared with us her journal, uh, her journal entry when she's trying to break free. She's just left a relationship that was, you know, narcissistic abuse. She was in a spell for 10 years, finally got out and she literally just moved out last month. So it's very raw and which is another reminder, if you're going to do something like this, make sure you don't do it alone. To have a community of people who are like, we see you and have structure. Because in the beginning, you're like, oh my God, I don't know. What the heck? Who am I? Well, creating some sort of a structure where you can really return back to yourself until you plant some deep roots and really know who you are is really important. And when she shared her story, it brought people to tears because it really resonated that, yeah, breaking a trauma bond is really hard. And so it must be approached with respect and with humility. And so when people message me with all sorts of crazy, like, oh my God, Dr. Nima, I love your, oh my God, I love your content. Oh my, it's making sense. I get both sides. People who are like, fuck, you're a piece of shit. And then the other part, oh my God, this is so amazing. I'm ready, I'm ready. When you're overly hyped about it, that's a red flag for me. (laughs) I'm like, no, you're not. Because if you really knew what it was about you wouldn't be coming at me with all these exclamation marks and i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready it's like no and usually i'm ready but then i'm just not ready to receive guidance i don't i i i don't have a job so i i, I don't have any resources for rent so i won't be able to invest in anything so it's like you you know the people who are truly ready are like this is the energy that i look for and i can feel it they're like Fuck. I can't like I can't keep going like this. It's time I start facing it. Like you have to hit a pain point where there's a humility there, where you're not entitled, where you're like, oh, I've been entitled to being looked after. I've been looking for a knight in shining armor. Fuck. Your your content is pissing me right off. I hate you, but it's the truth that I need, it's the bitter pill that I need. And I think, like, I don't know if I'm ready. I'm scared. I'm like, you're ready. Those who come in DMing me with all the exclamation marks and I'm so ready. We're like, mm. those are love bombers, by the way. <laughs> They're, that is what love bombing is. I have a very, what's the word? Really good bullshit detector. I, I Once you heal your traumas, you start to see through people. You don't believe what they tell you. Everybody lies. Most of the things people say, people DM me. Oh, because part of codependency is lying. There's one person who's like, I'm so ready. Next week, it'll be there. Next week. And it's just, each time it's like, you're full of shit. You're full of shit. And, and it's part of the pleaser in most people. You know, we, we want to please. And so, healing from our trauma bonds is about changing our relationship with the truth and living authentically, being able to set boundaries, say no, ask for what we want, and just be in our bodies and be out of fantasy land. Take some work. So the invitation for you is to jump in and just frickin' take the red pill and go, even though it's scary. It's, there's, you're gonna wanna think your way out of it. I've set it up in such a way where the finances are not gonna be an issue, especially if you're really committed. Normally, there's like hundreds, thousands of dollars offer um, this hundreds of dollars an hour to receive training. This is a $15 an hour training. If you show up to all the events, show up to all the trainings over 90 days, it's 15 bucks an hour. It's actually 13 bucks an hour. With the bonuses of starting next week, it's like eight bucks an hour. So it's like... I wanted to make it completely affordable for this community and to bring my facilitators in to co kind of facilitate with me the trainings. And it's a community event. Nima's not the guru. The community is the guru, which is really great so that my ego doesn't have to get in the way. That's a big problem. Now it's a big problem. Um, It's always been, it's a part of my journey as well. So I, I openly humbly share that journey with you of dancing with my dark passenger. So, Hopefully that was useful. If there's any questions, I see somebody has asking questions. Oh, is there anybody I'm in the clubhouse? Is that anybody wanted to jump on? The invitation is for you to jump on and uh, ask a question. What's come up for you? What's your biggest takeaway in this conversation of breaking trauma bonds, the painful cost of it. It's not going to be easy emotionally. Um, What, what, uh, what came up for you? Does anyone want to share? Does anyone have a question? Melanie, hello. Invite, inviting Melanie to speak. Come on up.
1: Hi, good morning.
0: Hello. Uh,
1: I'm first time here.
0: Beautiful. Welcome, Melanie.
1: Thank you. Uh, really, I see this uh, room issue uh, discussing... About the issues that I am currently going through. Mm-hmm. So, recently, uh, almost one week ago, I had this case, this issue happened to me. Yep. So, now I would uh, ask some psychological support or help.
0: Okay, and what's your question?
1: Question is uh, I had been uh, a good friend. Was one person who who was uh, last almost three years we were living together, having fun, having time, and we had been very close friends. Uh, sometimes we had been more than friends. Mm-hmm. And recently he betrayed me. He cheated on me. Yeah. And I got very upset. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's before hard. I had been uh, upset with him, and I decided to cut our toxic relation, but. I still was patient with him, and uh, one week ago I found him cheating on me, and it was uh, other friends got um, to know about this, and it was a painful experience for me.
0: Humiliating, isn't come, it?
1: Yes, he would come and uh, tell me everything sincerely that he has a new relation, and he has... Uh, having a new relation, he still uh, was friendly. Me and Flirting and me trying and to get me. your
0: attention yes, and yeah, yes, I got changing,
1: it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like this.
0: Yes. What's your question, my dear?
1: So as you said before, I lost trust in people. I just, uh, I'm confused. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah. The best decision I see is to travel and change my environment. Yeah. Maybe this will help me to some extent.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you have a question? So the Question so is, it, it it sounds yeah. like you just went through this you're trying to come up with solutions with um with healing right and so one solution is to pick up and leave and go to a new environment because the, the that's helpful because when you're healing you don't want to see the same kind of visual cues the restaurants you went through the places that you went will bring it up it's really It's really painful. Right. So it it just feels safer to to go. And and I highly recommend that would be great. That would be great as a start. The problem is, is that, you know, then what? What happens when you get back? You know what happens? Because what's happening in your body and the trauma from this betrayal, the separation, it still carries with us. Right, Time doesn't yeah. heal all wounds. It actually conceals no, them. No, no. It conceals them. And the, the real question you're going to want to ask is, so what do I do when I get back so that I can heal? Yes.
1: Right, Right.
0: So, yeah, that's this one of the things you got to understand is wherever we go, there we are. So what's happening inside your body is, is actually going to be taken with you. You're going to take it with you so it's really important um to address the actual trauma bond and one of the things is melanie is that this is not really about him so this betrayal that you're feeling i want you to ask this question can you just drop into your body and to to feel that betrayal um how how old how old do you feel when you were younger when you were younger when you were younger, where did this betrayal happen? How old were you when there was a betrayal that happened?
1: Actually, I, I have been through divorce some years ago, and uh, it was uh, when I was 32. Okay. And I, I, my relatives and my friends helped me to overcome that. And I, Beautiful. I was fully in job in my job and fully busy. I kept myself busy not to think about this. And around after two, three years, I held myself. And uh, everything is normal, everything was normal Mm -hmm. until I met this new person. He made me to believe in people, he made me to be again uh, young, again uh, cheerful, again uh, active. And to live again a new life. But uh, unfortunately, I'm not angry on him. I see when we go through this uh, trauma, our vision of life is uh, blurred. We think something else and uh, coming up to the normal now last Mm -hmm. two days i say hey if you look at these things from other side it's not like that yeah you made yourself inside your head it's going on yeah so you it's a fantasy
0: yeah it's called a fantasy yeah it's called a fantasy right exactly and and to break to 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 dismantle our fantasies is a very critical part of the healing process so the question then the invitation melanie is that you know what do you need support with? What is it that you want to accomplish fully? I mean, it sounds like you've gone through that cycle before. This is bringing back those old betrayal wounds. Uh, the, you know, what, what uh, outcome is it that you're really committed to creating for yourself in the next few months? How will you, like, where do you want to be in the next few months?
1: I just decided to travel more, to read books, Good. to find new friends and uh, don't trust anybody like
0: him <laughs> and, uh, here's yeah, a sweet word yeah yeah, yeah the sweet, sweet words, words doesn't
1: is a, mean the same all the time
0: well it depends it depends once we heal our traumas we're able to discern sweet words that are manipulative or that are designed with an agenda in mind versus a genuine compliment there's a huge difference yes, but yes. the thing is is that if we if we approach relationships with, un, with unresolved wounds, like the betrayal from your husband, you said, I, I hung out with my friends and they helped me heal. How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that you, were, you had a completion with that? How do you, how do you know that you had a, like, a completion with that? And that's the first question that I have for you. The second question, the second point that I really want to make is, we never really fully heal the, the yes, trauma it does not it, trauma is not a memory trauma comes as a reaction it comes in our bodies so this betrayal that you're experiencing now is unresolved from a previous wound and so to break this trauma bond sure you can travel your work, your work will be to actually heal comp- like get create a resolution with the previous betrayals and I would also Melanie Look at childhood where you felt betrayed. Look at parents. Did your your father have an affair on your mother that you became aware of?
1: My childhood uh, was uh, very traumatized because uh, my father was abusive at home. He was abusive towards my brother. My my parents didn't have such an affair like Mm -hmm. somebody betrayed somebody. It it was not there. But my father was very aggressive and abusive. He was a perfectionist. He always liked uh, everything. uh, Yeah. So it's kind of like a,
0: he's kind of like a narcissist and your mother was the codependent just taking the abuse, right? And you were witnessing all of that. So that is the trauma bond, my dear. Yes. So as long as you don't, as long as you ignore that and you just keep talking about your ex and this and you just keep traveling, the world is full of people still carrying their trauma bonds because they feel that just by traveling and reading books that that's going to resolve it and so the invitation melanie is for you to go deeper you can't just do it at a surface level using avoidance strategies you got to go into the wound and that's the invitation that's how this work is different so you have to actually be ready there's a lot of resistance and it's that would be your next move if true healing is what you want because i get you feel lost you want to run away and travel you want to read books which i highly recommend you do there's just that missing piece and if you don't get to it you'll think that you've healed get into another relationship and then here's that cycle again so
1: i'm not planning to get into such a relation anymore because uh, mm -hmm. um, the person who betrayed me, uh, really, I'm thankful. To some extent, I'm thankful to him because he taught me a good lesson. Uh, Beautiful. He he just wanted physical uh, yeah. Pleasance. Yeah. Physical relations. Sex. But I want, services
0: or supply.
1: I wanted yeah mental mental closeness. I uh, appreciated his being clever, smart. Right. And. Uh, I told him many, many times, you are special. If you would not be special, I would not choose you as my friend Mm -hmm. because I'm a cancer by horoscope. And Mm -hmm. I'm very, very sensitive to uh, my close friends. I I have only one or two close friends in my life, all my life. So that uh, that fact I consider, and I'm thankful to him. uh, Beautiful. Anyway, I wish him all the best. I don't have any uh, revenge or such a feeling for
0: him. Great. Sounds like you worked it out. So it sounds like you have your, your, your plan moving forward. You, you, you feel complete with that, Melanie? Any other questions? Yes.
1: Uh, no, thank you very much.
0: Beautiful. Yes. Awesome. Are there any other questions? You've been talking about healing trauma bonds. One of the things I do want to say is a lot of people, there's a difference between healing and avoidance. Unless Melanie actually takes on the inner work. Nowhere did I hear anywhere and I don't hear this from many people, by the way, I really need to do the inner work to heal. (laughs) It's not what people want to do. They want to do what Melanie's doing, which is I just want to get away. I want to read books and maybe watch some YouTube and, uh, you know, maybe talk to somebody. But actually to heal the trauma bond requires Melanie and and all of us, because I did all the avoidance strategies as well. It requires all of us to go deep, deeper into our body, There's three stages of healing trauma bond. Number one is the cognitive. So the narrative has to change from victim to a coherent narrative, right? And I can hear Melanie saying, yes, I'm thankful and da-da-da-da-da. What she's doing is the cognitive work, which is very important that we get there. But many people just stop there. That doesn't heal the trauma bond. Yeah, 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 I'm thankful for it. He betrayed me, but I'm thankful for it. That's called cognitive bypass. That's getting to the outcome without going through. It's like trying to get the result without the real work involved. And I used to do that too. That's why I recognize it. So that's the first part is the cognitive. The second part that needs to be addressed to heal the trauma bond is the emotional. So there's betrayal. There's shame, right? Melanie, you know, didn't didn't kind of speak up and say, yeah, you know, I feel quite ashamed of myself, Um because I, I thought I should know better. I'm an intelligent person. I'm a this. I'm a that. Um, but there's definitely parts of her that feel shame. We have to address those at an emotional level. Those are the parts that are our ego hides, and we run away from with avoidance behaviors, spiritual bypass, cognitive bypass. Uh, you know, avoidance, running away. So we must do that if you want to heal the trauma bond. That's why I say it's rare. Most people don't do the actual real work. And then the third part is the body. So there's a lot of stored trauma in, within the body after an event like that. If we travel and run away and it, it feels better at the time and it might make it bring us kind of feeling a little bit more relaxed. It's a new environment. You're discovering things. You're present Traveling forces us to be present, but then someday you have to come back to that old reality and the, the body sensations are still dealing with it. So this work of being a cycle breaker actually involves going deeper than vacations and books. And I'm not discounting that. I'm saying, go for it. Definitely do it. I'm saying that my vision is for people to realize the, the gravity of the situation and, and, once you do the work you actually can't fall prey to a narcissist love bomber again you can't because you're you're able to set your boundaries you're able to say no you it just it just doesn't happen anymore and all of what you want happens on the other side of committing to that so if you want to see the uh, workshop send me a dm let me know i'll send you the link and um the link in on Facebook right now underneath is uh, is there for you to jump in if you're ready to jump into our Cycle Breakers portal. You get a ton of like cool shit. Namely, we start next week, and I kind of get to know you and ask what do you want to create over the next few months, and then we we start the process of the climb because it's unpredictable. We work with whatever triggers come up, and we teach you how to dismantle these emotional flashbacks because that's a big part of healing from our traumas is dismantling emotional flashbacks and understanding how to interpret these emotions. We don't know what to do with them. We just call them anxiety. We call them depression. We call them rage, but we don't know what to do with them. And so you can learn and I'm committed to teaching my community. So let me know what questions you have. Let me know what came up for you and I'll see you at the next perfect time. Cheers.